Hi everyone. We're back. We're back at back it again. Back at it again with the 12 foot skeletons from Home Depot. Okay, that post was my favorite thing of this entire year. I ever. If I didn't have a under 400 square foot apartment in the city, you know what? Fuck it. Even if I have an under just get the 12 400 foot square foot apartment, skeleton. I'm going to get that boy. I'm going to go to Home Depot. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get that 12-foot skeleton. And mm-hmm. he's going to be my boyfriend. Yep. And, and if anyone... And if you don't know what you're referencing... <laughs> I'm saying if you don't know what we're referencing, we're referencing the text post that the girl did that was like, I don't think my boyfriend, the 12-foot skeleton at Home Depot, would be very happy to hear also, this. Also, if you haven't seen the 12-foot skeleton from Home Depot, you need oh my God. to look it up. I know Karen from My Favorite Murder, like, that's her thing right now. She's very excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I am as well. I love a good skeleton. I just got a smaller one mm-hmm. from the dollar store last week, and he's hanging in my doorway. And he's having a great time. He's, he's vibing. making me feel very festive. My whole apartment is decorated mm-hmm. for Halloween right now. I did it last week, of course, on the autumn equinox. And mm-hmm. I have all my lights up. I have my skeletons. I have my pumpkins. Along with that, I went to Bath & Body Works, dropped over $100 on candles, and and burning marshmallow fireside currently. Oh, I should. I have no. My my candle is a crackling one, so I can't light it. But I'm just vibing. It's really I've good. I've just been vibing the past few days, just with literally the 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 difference that a candle can make is insane. Mm-hmm. Especially in my life, especially right now, with everything going on, it's the little things where I'm like, you know what? This time of year has always been very. Um, special to me and very important to me and I'm it's like now having my own place I feel like I'm like celebrating with my own little family which is myself and my cat Mm -hmm. so (laughs) it's a it's a very myself it's a very good time of this I know you decorated too you sent me some pictures yeah I decorated my whole apartment with a mix of like dollar store decorations and then Target decorations and my mom I stole this from my mom actually. My mom got me a beautiful it's for like a fire fireplace mantle, mm-hmm. but it's a I'm gonna show it to Gina on FaceTime. Um it's a fireplace mantle piece of like Jack Skellington. Yes. I don't know if you can see it. So it's just like a lace print of like Jack Skellington. You're supposed to put lights through it, but they're really hard to put through and I didn't want to ruin it. Right. So I got that. I got my dollar store candles. I went to the Japanese dollar store and I got a bunch of beautiful decorations for like a dollar each and they were really great. So The dollar store has the best shit. Even it's a regular dollar store and the Japanese dollar store. Best shit. They have such good stuff. Really good shit. That's lasted me like years. Um Mm -hmm. If you don't know who we fucking are, as we say at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> every single podcast. Every but single one. But it's like, you know what? We're like, what, like 40 episodes in now about? Oh my God, so I think so, yeah. if you're new here or are returning, um, we are Most Excellent, the podcast. Your true crime, paranormal, all things strange and peculiar comedy podcast. And my name is Gina. My name is Danielle. And um, we try our best (laughs) to post every week to bring you guys the best creepy spooky content because that's who we are. That's our thing. Mm -hmm. We grew up with it. Danielle and I became friends literally over ghosts in paranormal Mm -hmm. state. So 
we just love to talk about it and we love to talk about it with mm-hmm. you guys and discuss it with you guys. And uh, it's been a while since we posted because September was just a clusterfuck. It just... Yeah, September was really terrible. Uh, it was horrible and terrible and I'm so glad it's over and that now I can start spooky season fresh. Uh, we've been gone a long time. Yeah, I had my literal microphone in the closet and I was like, oh my God, where's my mic? So then I finally like went out and find it and I was like, oh, right. but okay. it's, a, it's really been a while. But it's a perfect time because tomorrow is October 1st. Mm-hmm. So by the time we'll be posting mm-hmm. it, it will be October 1st. And this is the month. We are so excited. We are going to do um, a giveaway. I'll have you talk about that. We're going to do multiple giveaways. Mm-hmm. But yep. um, we are putting together a website Um, which still needs to be put together, but it will be done in October, like 100%. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're just so excited to just really get out there and talk to more of you. And one of the things that makes October so special for both of us, I think, is just hearing other people's stories and like other people's like either like paranormal experiences or true crime connections or just weird stories. So um, we're going to do some side stories, too, with um, Danielle's family and friends, some of my family and friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to hear from you guys, too, this month, like, especially. So if you have any stories, uh, follow us on Instagram at Most Excellent and Twitter. Or you can send us an email to mosthexcellentpod at gmail.com. And we would love to talk about those on the show this month. I would love to do an episode with just stories. Um, mm-hmm. from other people. So, um, yeah, if you want to talk about the giveaway, go for it. So we're going to be doing a giveaway hopefully every week, but you guys not you, you guys might not receive it by, I mean, who knows what's going on with the mail right now, but we're going to be sending them out almost every week of October just to make this week very, or this, this whole month really special. So we have different kind of items that we're going to be posting. So we're going to do it on in, our Instagram and our Twitter. Mm-hmm is how I think that we're going to be running it. So go follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and we'll be posting pictures. And then based on, like, likes and stuff, we'll post or we'll put them together in a random generator, and we will send it out. So keep a lookout for that. They're going to be happening every every single week. So I think we'll post them on Fridays, like every Friday of uh, October, and then we'll pick the winner – Maybe by Monday. We'll give them till Monday, maybe. Yeah, we'll we'll figure and it out. We'll plan we'll post it for you guys. We'll, we'll follow us. Yeah, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter and we'll have all the details there for sure. But for sure the first one's gonna be going up on Friday. So follow us on there and then we will post all the details in there. And yeah, that should be pretty much it. It's really simple. Yes. Follow us and like a post. That's all we're asking you guys right. to do. And we'll put we'll post the rules and everything for that too. Um yep. Danielle also wanted to do uh 31 for 31 so for halloween so so last podcast already posted theirs uh yeah they posted theirs uh, first so rude no just kidding we love them we love we stand them in this house i love you henry zabrowski we stand last podcast everybody puffin and ben and marcus we stand ben kissel in this house and marcus park right and his dog and well i said puffin and jerry my mom's name is jerry so there's a connection there obviously (laughs) we have to stand jerry um but if you want to talk about those two, and like we'll post those as well. Those are going to be posted by tonight, so you guys can follow along with us. Ours are a little bit different from everyone else's in terms of like we have some classic like Disney movies. Ours are like very nineties kids. Right. 
Ours are very 90s kids and kind of, for me, I like, I love scary movies all year mm-hmm. round. So, like, when I'm in the mood for October movies, I'm more in the mood for, like, witch movies or some super scary movies, but I like just kind of either classic horror films or I like, like, Halloween right. Town. Classic that's that's my like preference. Creepy. Like, we watch scary movies all the time, but, like, one of the ones we have on there that last podcast also has is House on Haunted Hill, which is one mm-hmm. of our favorites. Uh, what are some other ones we have on there that we love? Oh, uh, well, we'll post them. We'll post them, but yeah, like really last good. year we did a watch along where it was Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. That's one of our favorites. Just mm-hmm. like we we love watching old movies like that. So, uh, definitely watch along with us with those two. Um, they're so good. Yeah. Well, I guess we can get into it. So, first, uh, we were going to talk about the new trailer for The Craft. The sequel oh my for God. the craft. Well, actually, maybe we'll just wait until the end for our analysis because we've been talking for like nine minutes about updates. Well, well, so if you guys like, care could, about that, we can talk about the could, end. I mean, my if you, I know I went first last time, but I if you want, we could talk about it, and then mine is about witchcraft, so it okay. can go into it. So, um, okay. I just thought that would work. Just so people are not listening to it for like fifteen right, right. minutes so of us just being like, I would, let's let's talk about witches real quick because Danielle and I love the craft. Obviously, it's it's a oh classic. God, yes. A lot of people love it. Um, but I've always been. I mean, I do practice a form of Wicca myself. Um, I consider myself part of the pagan community, I guess. But I just love the craft. Number one, I love Fruits of Bulk and like the whole cast, but. Mm-hmm. You were explaining it really well, where you were like the original was very, it wasn't like instant magic. You yes. know what I mean. And that's my that's my big issue with this whole craft trailer was that, and this is, this is the thing we get to be extremely picky. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm I'm reserving. This is like all really bullshit, like really nitpicky. Well, it's our stuff. opinion, but I think yeah. it's important. Yeah, it's my opinion. It's like this is my opinion on it, and that is that this film to me is very like. It just there. It this it's not reading as a craft movie. Right. It's in the craft. They were very intent on the fact that magic is about intention. It's about ritual and practice and and kind of that whole manifestation process coming together. And that was a big thing for the craft. Like they did actual study of witchcraft. They did actual research on it. So it was very research based and like it read that way, where it wasn't just like we instantly have magic to do eyeliner. Right. You know what I mean? Where it just wasn't silly. Like, in the movie, you'd see her talking about maintaining balance. You see her talking about, like, the, the importance of ritual and all and these things. And it's very gradual. The original movie's very gradual. Yeah. This one, it looks... I mean, like, we haven't seen it yet. We've only seen the trailer. Who knows? It could surprise us. But it was all very, like, like pixie dust. Like, oh, I'm throwing mm-hmm. someone against these blockers. And now there's, like, you know, there's glitter everywhere. And I'm, like, that's fine. Like, it's a whole new generation of, like, girls, like, watching mm-hmm. this and getting into it. And that's cool. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like if you're doing a sequel, like, you want to stick with, like, a little bit of the original idea. Like, there's a little bit of, like, you know, making things float and levitating and, like, all of that in mm-hmm. the original. But I feel like this one, like, this trailer's right in your face with it. And it makes and it's super unbelievable. The movie, the craft was believable. Right. Where it was like 
their intentions come true not instantly. They happen over time. Chris falls in love with her over time. Her, like, Bonnie's skin gets better over time. Like, all these things are happening very gradually in a believable manner of, like, they did the practice, they put in all the work, and then this happened. Right. It doesn't, it, what, like, no, no one is going to sit there and believe that all of a sudden you become Carrie and you're slapping people against lockers and you're putting on eyeliner. Like, that, that bugged the And that movie was just, That she right. was like, uh. And it's like, it's very, um, like, it was almost like when I grew up watching it, I, you know, like, it made me want to, like, go online and, like, look up spells and, like, do, like, mm-hmm. do glamours to change my hair color. And, you know, like, it just felt very personal. This one doesn't, it just, it feels like it's a movie version of Sabrina. You know what I mean? Like, which even Sabrina is based in some realness. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like Sabrina has a little bit of realness where it's like a really good mix of real witchcraft and then a little bit of kind of Right, and it's almost, and it's a comic book, so it's supposed to be camp. Yeah. This one, Yeah, this movie is just, it's not believable. It's kind of just ridiculous. You know what it is? It's the 2013 Carrie effect mm-hmm. where it's like they're trying to revive all of these old movies and they're just making them so unbelievable to the point of it being just like obnoxious. Right, And it's like I hate like using this word, but it's like these little it's like these like and this is nothing about the actresses, but it's just like these teeny bopper no. characters where it's yeah. like, oh, like there's no, no depth. There's no depth. And that's not, you know, that's nothing to do with, like, the actresses or whatever. Like, you know, they're playing what the script is portraying. What they're it's doing. telling them so, to. Yep. I don't know. I, I, I'm still going to watch it, obviously. Of course. But, of course. yeah, I watched it and I was like, oh, so this is what it's going to be. But I'm curious to see if any of the original actresses are going to be in it. I don't think Fruits is going to be in it, but they had the picture Well, they pulled out the picture of Nancy, and I was just kind of wondering how they're going to connect that because they're like, you have to be careful because this is... Like, they're implementing rules that don't make any sense with the original movie. Because in the original movie, they're talking about how they're like, magic kind of has no rules. Like, you have to... Because she's asking her, like, oh, how do I get this love spell to be undone? And she's like, dude, you put that onto the universe, and you ha- now you have to just live with right. it. Like, it's kind of... It's just kind of weird. Like, the rules that they're imposing on them from how the trailer was structured, the kind of... Like, it just is so stupid to me. The weird it just connection kind of reads to, like, as- the, pic- the Polaroid of Nancy... Yeah, I was like, this, none of these people can be Nancy's daughter or her granddaughter. So, like, what is the... Right, unless it's, like, what? maybe, I'm, like, they're doing, like, a local town, like, legend of, like, what happened to her. You know? Something like that. Yeah, pro- I mean, I hope so. I hope they bring Fruza in. I don't think they will. I don't think she will. I hope not. I don't, I I don't, I don't think wouldn't. she's... I think she was like, it's over and it's done. But we'll see. We'll see how it is. But I wanted to talk about it because um, I had been going back on back and forth on what to do for my story and um we have another little story that Danielle's friend is going to tell but we've been talking a lot about fairies this week and Mm -hmm. I was like I want to do something like connected with that kind of like folklore and things like that and then I was like you know what I was like I haven't done something like that since our third episode where I talked about Bridget Cleary and um Mm -hmm. her being like possessed by fairies but then I was looking and I found um the story of witches and witch trials in Ireland. And so Mm. I was like, okay, well, I haven't really done, like, witches or anything to that degree yet. So 
I am going to talk about the Witches of Island McGee. And this was known as the last witch trial of Ireland. Like the last big witch trial. Um, and this was 20 years after the Salem witch trials in America. Okay. So witchcraft wasn't as popular in Ireland as it was in England and Scotland. Like Scotland was like mm-hmm. the center of witchcraft as we've talked about before. Um, so we have a lot of Scottish immigrants, a lot of Scottish like Presbyterians coming over to Ireland and congregating in these small communities where there's a lot of superstition um, with a lot of beliefs in folklore like that, and I'll get more into it. But um, so where this takes place is on the east coast of County Antrim, and it is known, this is like where it is, where it's the last trial in Ireland. So... Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's a small, tight-knit community of about 300 Scott Presbyterians, and they were extremely superstitious. They were very close together. Um, And in Scotland, the hunting and destruction of witches was far more widespread rather than it being carried out in England, and it was recognized as more, like, vicious anti-witch. So in Scotland, it was more of, like, sorry, in Ireland, it was more like witches were a Thing, but it was more of like healers and herbalists and kind of like the midwife kind of look. They, they weren't as mm-hmm. terrified of witches, I guess, in Ireland as they were in Scotland. So there was a total of approximately 3,800 people persecuted in the Scottish courts. And more than three quarters of these were put to death by strangling and or burning. Oh, yeah. wonderful. So witches and witchcraft had... Which, Whiffcraft. Witchcraft. Whiffcraft. Um, whiplash. Had always been an integral... Whiplash. Had always been an integral part of Irish folklore, um, but they were more non-threatening mortals than these, like, supernatural beings that were portrayed okay. in Scotland. So, this whole story starts in the Haltridge home on Island McGee in County Antrim. Um, and this begins on the night of September. There's not an actual date, but it's September 1710. So it's been almost exactly like 320 years since this happened. Mm-hmm. Or 310 years. I can't do math, nor can I read. So, 20, I think whatever, 10. whatever. Yeah, 310. <laughs> so, uh, Mrs. Ann Haltridge, who was a widow of Reverend John Haltridge, who was a late Presbyterian minister on Island McGee was being tormented by a strange force. So she wakes up and stones and turf are being flung at her bed. Curtains were pulled from one end to the other. Pills were taken from under her head and the clothes were pulled off. So terrified and bewildered, Mrs. Haltred fled the room and slept elsewhere. She's like, wakes up and like all the shit is happening to her. And she's like, I gotta Mm -hmm. go. So... Months, so this all happened. So months later on December 11th, basically this little boy comes into the house and he looks around 11 years old and he has black hair and he's wrapped in a blanket and he has an old and torn vest and cap and he's kind of covering his face and he just comes in and like back then, like 
there were poor children everywhere, so it wasn't, like, super uncommon for, like, a small child to wander into your house, I guess. I don't know. I'm just mm-hmm. making assumptions, but that's what I would think. Um, so he comes in, and this older woman, Mrs. Haltridge, offers him tea and begins to ask him questions, and it's like, like, who are you? Where are you from? Things like that. Like, are you okay? Um, so apparently... After she asked this, the boy leaps from the chair and begins to do a jig around the kitchen. So he's just dancing around her kitchen. And then he opens the door, runs into the cow shed nearby. And so she calls the servants to, like, run after him. So this, like, random weird shit happens. So then the boy wasn't seen again for some weeks, although Mrs. Haltridge continued to experience signs of, like, poltergeist activity so things are still like flying around books are flying around and especially in this room which they now call the haunted room so on february 11th 1711 mrs haltridge lay in bed reading her book sermons of the covenant and she put the book beside her and went to go pick it up again after a few minutes but then it was nowhere to be seen so it just vanished so apparently like she searched the whole room she can't find the book and then this boy appears outside one of the windows. And he broke the window and revealed the book to one of the servant girls, whose name was Margaret Spear. And if Margaret asked him if he could read the book, he said, of course I can. The devil taught me. <laughs> Which is how I got my degree. I mean, um, honestly, like, that's my kindergarten experience. Literally. So then Margaret exclaims, the Lord bless me from thee. Thou hast got ill lear, like, ill learning. Um, yeah. And the boy said she may bless herself all she liked, but it would not save her. So then oh. it says he produces this heavy sword from the massive blanket around him and threatens to kill everyone in the house. So You know, it sounds like me walking around my house in a car. <laughs> literally you with like your selenite blade just walking around. Honestly, the house. yeah. Um so the the servant basically um runs to a nearby parlor and like locks herself inside because she's like, what the fuck? So Watching him, <laughs> the servant. Like, she's she's the like, fuck? I'm not getting paid enough for this. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. So watching her from the window, she sees him try to steal a turkey from the gardens, and try to kill this turkey with the sword. Okay, I thought that you meant like a whole ass turkey she had like on the table. Yeah, or, like just laying he was in like the he's garden. like I, I was I'm like just a roasted to, turkey is in the he's garden. He's just trying to cut up this turkey for them. Like he's just trying to mm-hmm. like do a nice thing. He's trying to carve the roast. Right. Piece. No, he's trying to kill a live turkey. Um. But then he drops... He's actually been the Grinch this whole time. Yes, exactly. So then he drops this book he stole in the struggle and the bird escapes. And so this boy is searching for this fallen book and he's digging a hole in the lawn with his sword, which like, how does that happen? So then another servant appears and asks what he was doing. And he said he was preparing a grave for the corpse soon to leave the home. And then he laughed and leapt over the wall and was gone. He was like, I gotta go. So, Mrs. Haltridge calls her husband's church for help, and Minister Rob Sinclair and two of his elders came into the house to pray, and Mrs. Haltridge went to bed as normal in the hopes the prayers would help her. Um, They did not. not. So, Minister Sinclair's prayers were disturbed by the screaming of Mrs. Haltridge, and when he rushed to her room, she complained that she was felt like she was being stabbed in the back. Like she was having these really bad back pains. So she was like, I can't stay in this haunted room anymore. I have to go. 
<laughs> so then she's moved from the room, but she continued to have these back pains. And on it, it, it's on or around February 22nd, 1711, mm-hmm. she dies from this. So it's like all this weird shit's going on. She sees this little omen demon boy dancing around her kitchen, and then he takes a sword, slices her a nice turkey, and then is, like, mm-hmm. digging a grave with a sword, and is like, you're gonna die. Oh, and then after he did that, also, apparently she went into her room, and her blankets were arranged like a corpse on her bed. And then she wakes up, she has terrible, like, back pain, and then she looks in the mirror, and she goes, back rolls! Back rolls! And then she died. Back and then she did. And, and then, then she, she did a, She did a death drop in the middle of the... She did. And then she died. <laughs> she went oh this poor woman and then she just died so this is all background going into the main story this is all back rolls back rolls <laughs> okay so after all the shit goes down so then her daughter-in-law so the woman who died her daughter-in-law is like there by mm-hmm. herself she's like my mother-in-law was just possessed by the devil and was killed by him and now i'm here and like i want someone to accompany me so she invites her cousin, who is 18-year-old Mary Dunbar, who is from Belfast, to come stay with them mm-hmm. on Island McGee. So, obviously, like, she was frightened. This just happened. Like, her mother-in-law passed away, and she wants someone to stay with her. So the hauntings continue when Mary Dunbar gets there. So the night Mary gets there, she was alarmed to find that her trunk of clothes were open and they were, like, scattered around the house. Apparently. So she searched for them and then discovered her apron was rolled up and tied in nine knots. So when she opened it, she discovered the late Mrs. Haltridge's flannel caps were in there. So Mrs. Haltridge, who died, like her caps were in Mary's clothes that were tied up in nine knots. So soon after this, Mary begins to, very similar to the Salem Witch Trials, she begins to have these fits, claiming that spectral women were stabbing her legs with knives. Girl, you just got some cramps. Like, oh, okay. take a take a Advil, take some melatonin, go to sleep. Take an Advil PM. Literally. Um, yeah, so she's like, these spectral women are stabbing her. And she would shout, um, threaten those around her, throw Bibles, um, convulse when clergymen passed by. And then... This all sounds like me watching the last episode of Supernatural, just convulsing, throwing Bibles. That's true. Um, But, like, the biggest, like, evidence, apparently, that there was, was that she was throwing up household items such as pins, buttons, nails, glass, and wool. But there's no, like, there's no evidence of this. So this is all Mm. just, like, hearsay. Like, they're saying, like, they're seeing her do this, but there's no actual like, evidence of this. So, around midnight, she had another fit during which she had a vision of seven or eight women, and she called these women out by their names. And her descriptions were so detailed that the women were identified and summoned to the house. So, her testimony was basically just taken at face value, and this is because these women were all marginalized, they were all poor, mm-hmm. older, they, like, smoked, drank, were pockmarked, like, kind of like the dregs of society, you know, like, what okay. do you think a typical witch would look like? And they think that's why these women 
were called out. So mm-hmm. um, they were rounded up and put on trial at the Kirk Fergus um, courts. And the main evidence against them was literally just Mary Dunbar's testimony. Um, okay. Along with their inability to say the Lord's Prayer, which is like also... Yo, they probably couldn't no read. One could read. No one could read. No one could write. Everyone's No illiterate. one can read. No one can fucking read. Mm-hmm. Everyone's 19. Their name's Jared, and they never learn how to fucking read. And they never fucking learn how That's to read. That's how it is. Yep. So, and of course, you have Mary Dunbar, who's this, like, her family's well-known. She's educated. She's beautiful. So, obviously, mm-hmm. her testimony is going to be taken over these, basically, like, homeless, dirty women who couldn't read. All right. Mm-hmm. As we see in... The Salem trials, even though in the Salem trials, like a lot of women who were like kind of good from good families were, mm-hmm. but they were either like old or like just you know, there was always something against them. So the investigation was conducted between March 3rd and the 24th of 1711, and these seven women were Janet Mean of Braid Island, Jane Latimer of Irish Quarter, Carrick Fergus. Margaret Mitchell of Kilroot, Catherine McCalmut of Island McGee, Janet Liston of Island McGee, Elizabeth Seller of Island McGee, and Janet Carson of Island McGee. So Mary Dunbar claimed that she was still being tormented by someone called Mrs. Anne as well, who she described as uh, Margaret Mitchell, who was then also arrested. So adding that eighth mm-hmm. person. The accused were brought for trial at Carrick Fergus on March 31st. And the hearing would be only eight hours long. And the summary of evidence was made by Dr. Tisdall, vicar of Belfast, who was present at the trial and who wrote about it in the Hiberian magazine in 1775. So this was until, you know, like way later on. But basically... This is the only evidence brought out is from Mary Dunbar, and that's it. So this is what it says. One of the men who held her, Mary Dunbar, in a fit swore she had nothing visible on her arms when she took hold of them, and that all in the room saw something worsted yarn tied around her wrist, which was put on invisibly. There were upon the string seven double knots and one single one. In another fit, she cried out that she was grievously tormented with a pain about her knee, girl same, upon which the women in the room looked at her knee and found a fillet tied fast about it. Her mother swore to the fillet, or fillet, I don't know, um, that it was the same. She had a fillet fish on her fish She got that McDonald's fillet fish right on her knee. Um, and it was the same she had given her that morning, and seen it about her head, and this had also had seven double knots and one single one. There was a great quantity of things produced in court, and sworn to be what she vomited out of her throat. I had them all in my hand, and found there was a great quantity of feathers, cotton, yarn, pins, and two large waistcoat buttons. Which is like, is this bitch just swallowing shit and spinning it out then? She might have that pica disease, (laughs) where they just eat random things. Literally. I think that's what it was. Bitch got Pikachu disease. Leave her alone. She got the <laughs> bitch got Pikachu disease. <laughs> bitch got so Pikachu disease. Dunbar never gave evidence in court. Um, and actually, she never even spoke in court. Because oh, okay. 
the like the accused had no lawyer to defend them obviously and they all all the accused denied the charges of witchcraft but the jury found them guilty um there's no record of what happened to mary dunbar or the eight women after the trial in carrick fergus because the public records office that held many of the church of ireland records was burned down during the irish civil war from 1922 okay. to 1923. So, according to the Act of 1586, the eight women would have been put in prison for a year and then pilloried four times on the market days for a first offense. So that means, like, they mm-hmm. were put out and people would just, like, throw rocks and, like, rotten fruit at them. And um, they were pelted by onlookers for months and, in one case, so fiercely that one woman lost an eye. So all of this because this girl from Belfast comes to this town and is all of a sudden being tormented by these women. Um, So in his book, Possessed by the Devil, Dr. Andrew Snedden of Ulster University said that Mary Dunbar probably made the whole thing up to break free from the tight social restraints of being a woman at the time. And she's new to this town. No one knows her. So it's a way to, like, maybe get attention Um, And he said that being possessed allowed her to misbehave without consequences, move from invisibility to notoriety with her community, um, and attack her elders at will. So they think just like the Salem trials, it was just a young girl who, I don't know, wanted attention. And, like, maybe, like, the stories of, like, the poltergeist activity that were happening beforehand influenced her. So... The Island McGee case was the last witchcraft trial in Ireland. And what became of the witches and Mary Dunbar is unknown, but it's a story that brings the mind of the Salem witch trials and the crucible and a time um, when stoking up superstition could reap terrible consequences. So that is the story of the witches of the Island McGee. And I also wanted to mention that there is an author named Martina Devlin And she wrote a book about this called The House Where It Happened. And it mixes this trial and another trial. And around 2014-2015, she wanted to put together a, like, memorial or plaque for these witches on the island and get them... I hope she didn't put Mary Dunbar on there. No. But, like, like for the the witches who were accused. um, Okay. To kind of take away them being accused of witches. So Mm -hmm. in this article on BBC, it says, Irish author journalist Martina Devlin told BBC Radio Foil that she felt the women had been unfairly persecuted for centuries and deserved a posthumous pardon. She said, Clearly the women were victims of a miscarriage of justice. There is nothing we regard as actual evidence against them. The conviction still stands against these women, even in the Salem witch trials. Some of those who were convicted were given posthumous pardon. I feel the women of Island McGee deserve their good name to be restored. So she was like, these women haven't even been, like, given given a fair trial or outlook by anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was another person, um, a TUV counselor, Jack McKee, who described the proposal as anti-God and that he could not support it over worries that the plaque would become a shrine to paganism. Um, but 
The, okay. Yeah. So, and then Dr. Andrew Snedding came in again and was like, from a modern perspective, we might see the conviction as unjust, but from a historical point of view, there was nothing, there was nothing unjust about the trial. Like, back then, like, that was, like, the legal process. But he was, like, but he was saying, like, still, like, you're romanticizing the past. And under the Witchcraft Act, um, basically, like, they were, they were still accused of this. And these women who were convicted of witches, like, weren't witches at all. They were, he said they were targeted, and the case certainly became a cause at a time when other causes weren't picked up, partially because of the political and religious turmoil in County Antrim at the time. So it all goes back to Mm -hmm. political stuff, too, but um, I just thought it was really nice that this woman who really respected them and wrote about them wanted to put a plaque together. And yeah. I think I think it happened. There well, they was, should like, be issued a pardon. Right. And I'm like, you're going to have someone be like, oh, like, this is anti-God and a shrine to paganism. And it's like, these were like... What year was this? This was that this happened. 2014. Oh, so it's anti-God and they're worried about paganism in 2014? Right. For these women who were literally, like, unjustly accused as witches. My guy. No. It's ridiculous. No, no, no. But I just thought... If this is maybe... I would understand a little, like maybe 100 years ago right. we're talking about 2014 yeah. ridiculous nay, nay. but definitely uh check out um martina devlin's book the house where it happened because it looked really interesting and um that is the trial of the witches of island mcgee and i thought um it would be really cool to talk about seeing it, it was the last like mass witchcraft trial in ireland mm-hmm. and i didn't We've know done it existed. all of them now, so or not all of them, but we did the last witchcraft trial in Britain, and we did the last witchcraft trial in Scotland. Uh, and and no, in Ireland. No, Scotland wasn't. Wait, my my story was Scotland. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. It was Scotland. Because yeah. because I was thinking of the other girl who was involved in that case was the last witchcraft trial of Britain or in UK. Yeah, no, yeah, because that, that was like the witchcraft act in Scotland that they had her on yeah, there yeah, for yeah, the, yeah, the psychic yeah, yeah, one, yeah. right? That was Hella Schnell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 Got yeah. Got you. You're right, you're right. All right, so that's that's my story. Because I have a, I actually have a, oh, sorry. No, no, you're fine. I was just going to say like that was, um, I, I, I just always thought that was like really fascinating how, I mean, it wasn't, Ireland was, I mean, it's, very like superstitious and like folklore but not to that level and these women were still convicted of this even though they were like no mm-hmm. you know not really but no it's funny i have my i have my browser open and i look at that and i seen it and it was like last british i have like the tab or like a bookmark of like last british uh a witchcraft trial like right there so that's why i was like oh yes we did that one then i was like no right you there want will be to do that there will be many more <laughs> that I'm will be sure. in the future but um the uh, sites that I used were History with a Twist, Ireland's Last Witch- Witchcraft Trial, The Witches of Island McGee, um, a website called The Spooky Isles, and that was called The Return of the Witches of Island McGee, I- My Ireland's Past, and BBC, and there was one more. Oh, uh, Shaped by Sea and Stone, uh, The Witches of Island McGee. So these were all very interesting reads, and... Uh, I I love hearing about witches from my homeland, even though they weren't really witches, mm-hmm. but that's okay. <laughs> I love hearing about fake witches from my homeland. Um, but you said yours was really gross, so mine I'm excited. A, mine is a great 
classic. I'm ready. Now, I know everyone has done this, but I wanted to do this because this is my favorite thing to read about because it's just disgusting. And if you guys have ever been here before, you know that I love disgusting stories. Right. I love I love reading I love reading about really weird macabre things, but I really love things that are nasty and it really intrigues me. Like the human mind, the things that people do intrigues me. And that's why this case was my perfect match. Yep. Like this this case. Oh. Okay, so I am doing the case of the real life corpse bride, which is the case involving our boy Carl Tanzler. Oh and Brie God! Oh Carl! <laughs> Fucking Carl! Okay. The the Fucking original girl. um, what do you call it? The original pocket pussy. This man created. Oh yeah, he made his own. Oh God. Okay. So now let me just preface this story for anyone who hasn't heard it, but you've already probably heard it. Um, this story is maximum. Miss Jackson, in terms of the Are You Nasty scale. So, like, if we're talking about the Are You Nasty scale, like, this this boy, our boy Carl, he was like, he slid on his Are You Nasty booty shorts. He cranked up Panic the Disco's 2013 hit single, Miss Jackson, to a 10. He didn't do that. He didn't do so any everyone, of that. He did. Continue. <laughs> he did all no, of that. No, he did not. But, on the, but, okay. So, just be forewarned, this is nasty. So, if you guys like nasty stuff, tune out yes. here. That's why they're here. Um... That's why we're here. So, our boy, Carl Tanzler, was born as George Carl Tanzler in Dresden, Germany on February 8th of 1877. Mm. So, we're going to skip forward to just before the outbreak of World War I, where he goes on this, like, journey to the center of the earth, <laughs> and he ended up <laughs> in Australia. He's in Land of the Lost, and so actually. He's in Land of the Lost. He's cracking open a... A crab claw with Danny McBride, right. and they're they're living, they're thriving. No, I'm just kidding. He was not living and thriving, because World War One actually broke out while he was in uh, Australia. So he was actually forced to go into an internment camp because he was a German. So they were putting Germans in internment camps in like wherever they were, like different German immigrants or whatever. So he got put in an internment camp until the end of the war. Okay. So at the end of World War One, he gets let out of the camp and he goes back home to Germany and he marries his wife, Doris, in 1920. And they have two, they end up having two daughters together. Okay. And one of his daughters is actually ends up dying at 10 of what other than like favorite uh, guests of this podcast, DJ, DJ Diphtheria. <laughs> so his daughter ends up dying of diphtheria and he's, we'll find out about why he's trash about that death in a little bit. Right. So in 1926, the family decides they actually want to move to the United States. Specifically, they want to go to Florida because Germany was basically decimated by World War One, and his sister was already living in the U.S., so he basically was like, okay, let's pack up the family camper and go. Right, because he was like, if so, Germany's already trash, let's move to more trash. <laughs> let's go to Florida. Perfect. Let's go to Florida. So he goes to the town of Zephyrillis. Zephyrillis? I think it's called it's Zephyr Hills. Maybe Zephyr Hills? Zephyr Hills, Florida, where Carl's sister is living. And so our boy decides that he wants to like remake himself when he goes to the US. So when he arrives in the US, he actually decides to put the name <laughs> Carl Tanzler von Kosel on his immigration paper. Ah, uh, yes. So he's like I've been remade. He's like, I'm an influencer now. Um, 
He was like, I'm too famous, so I've got to be getting a whole He's name. like, I can't even go to so, I can't even go to Taco Bell anymore. I can't even go I to I can't Boston even go Market. to Taco Bell anymore. We're name. too famous. So he literally gets into his car and he's like, I'm too famous. <laughs> and he just changes his whole name. But not only does he change his name, he's like, yo, I'm going to tell you guys a whole story about why I'm changing my name. Which the whole story is that he was the relative of Anna Constantia von Brockdorf of Germany, who is later known as Countess von Kosel, who she actually died in the mid 1700s, and he claimed to be one of her relatives. Right, because everyone cares and about so, that. Yeah, because everyone in America in, in the, Florida in the 1920s <laughs> cares. I'm like everyone in the swamp absolutely cares about you being a count, but right. okay. So this is actually the countess that Carl claims gave him the following vision that will be important later. So Carl claims that this countess basically came to him when he was 12 years old and she shows him this beautiful vision of his future true love who is this beautiful, exotic, dark-haired woman. Mm, Right. Put a tab on this. It's important for what comes later. Yes. So in 1927, he plays ultimate trash card. (laughs) And he decides that he's going to pick up and he leaves his family And he goes to take a job at the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West, Florida, which is about seven hours away from where his family was. Great. So he just straight up left his family. Right. Good for them, though. I mean, yeah, kind of. So (laughs) They're better off. (laughs) They're better off. They are. So he takes his job as a radiology technician, which I kind of don't get, but I kind of do because they were just kind of handing out jobs to anyone at this time. It didn't really matter. Like. It's Florida it just, It was just whatever. Who cares? Yeah, it was just like, whatever, you could take this yeah. job. But his history is kind of unknown because we know that before he got stuck in the internment camp, he was traveling from India. Like, he was just doing a whole, like, world lap. Mm-hmm. And so he actually had stopped in Australia because he was intending to gather a boat and supplies to go to Easter Island. Okay. So he was actually intending to go to Easter Island. And so this kind of got him, because he was doing all the research to get there, he was, he sort of becomes interested in electrical work and like engineering and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So he kind of has this background in technology and inventing and electrical works and stuff like that. So I'm like, I kind of get why he'd become a radiology technician, but also... They were like, good enough. He's not a... It's fine. They were like, I guess. So they hire him. Okay. So... We'll go back to five seconds ago when I was talking about the sticky note on that vision he had. <laughs> so he has this vision from our beautiful countess. And so this is why he's absolutely like shooketh. When on April 30th of 1930, a beautiful 20-year-old woman named Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos. Hoyos? I think Hoyos is admitted to the his his hospital for tuberculosis. So she has a tuberculosis, like something awful. Yeah. Her case is bad. So he obviously is just like shook because he's like, oh, my God, my manifestation is coming. He's like, oh, my God, my future wife is dying of tuberculosis. My future wife is dying of tuberculosis. So let's go into Maria a little bit. So she is actually the daughter of a Cuban-American cigar maker. And I read someplace that she was like an entertainer of some kind, but I couldn't find out what, like, what she did. I think she probably, like, sang and danced or something. Okay. But it's just, like, she was an entertainer. Like, that's how she was described. Yes. So, our girl Maria, like, as if she didn't have it hard enough having to encounter this, like, gross old man, she 
when she was about, I think she was like 16, she actually meets this boy. And so she married him and his name was Louis Mesa. And so in 1926, when she was only 16, they got married. And he, of course, leaves her when she has a miscarriage because he's a sewer rat from the plague. So in 1930, four years later, she ends up getting tuberculosis and her mom basically makes her go to the hospital where she meets her boy Carl, Mm -hmm. which is big, big mistake. Big Big mistake. mistake. Big mistake. So Carl meets her. Of course, he's obsessed with her because he's nasty and he basically makes it his whole life mission to save her. But he's even though he's not really even a doctor, he basically just starts to work like on anything and everything to save this girl. Just like concocting all these sort right. of he's crazy gonna make shit. you. He's like, I'm gonna make you a nice green machine matcha mm-hmm. smoothie, matcha and it's latte. gonna it's yep. gonna fix everything. Yep, he's like, it's gonna be great. Don't worry. So he essentially what he does is he also, which is okay. Backtrack. He also got hired as a bacteriologist. This man who has no experience in anything got hired as a bacteriologist and was working with tuberculosis patients, which is great. He has no degree. Where was this when I'm looking for um, a job and I don't have any experience? <laughs> Can they hire me? I would also like I would also like to put bacteriologists on my job application with no prior experience at all. Right. Um, but he's also really trash because he basically lies to Maria's family and he tells them that he has nine degrees from a university. Okay, come on, don't be he, stupid. Don't be fucking stupid. Nine degrees. <laughs> Come on, guys. He literally is like, yo, I got these nine degrees. He's like, I'm nine, I have 98 degrees. He's like, like I got two phones. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, where, that's where that song came on, actually. Absolutely. So he's like telling them, oh, I have these nine degrees, and that he was telling them, oh, I'm also a really brilliant inventor, and I have a... I, he tells them he's a submarine captain. I like, hate he just this man so much. I hate... Every time I hear the story, it <laughs> makes me, like, dig my fingernails into my hand because it makes me so mad. But it's so much work. And if you work. see this man, we'll post pictures. He's so fucking ugly. He looks like the fucking no. KFC man. He's so fucking gross. No, he, How look, dare he looks you worse. disrespect the colonel? He looks worse than the colonel. I don't, I shouldn't even compare him to the colonel. I fucking hate him. He's such a bad liar. Like, nine degrees, like, at least say two. Like, don't be, oh my god. Just continue. say one. I'm just, just I'm one. gonna start ranting and I can't do it. So just continue with the story. Okay, but here's the thing, though, is that her family places so much faith in this man because of this. Because they're, like, depending Never on him trust to save a man. their daughter. And Never trust a nope. fucking man. Let your daughter peacefully nope. die of Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Let her do it. Yep. My God. My God. Okay. So allegedly, this is what the story allegedly. was. Allegedly. That Carl is sitting. Allegedly. So allegedly, Carl is reading his little better copy of Twilight in his office. He's not. He's not doing that. <laughs> he wasn't. He was doing something of the kind. So he's reading Twilight. He hears Maria like come knocking on his door. Like he's sitting in his office on lunch. He's reading and he hears like on his door. Mm-hmm. In comes Maria. He's gooped, gagged, and had. Because he's like, oh my god, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Here she is. She's amazing. She's wonderful. He said, I've been so, waiting for a TB patient like Continue. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what happened. So, I can't believe this podcast. <laughs> so, he starts to make her all these medicines, like I said. He's bringing in the x-ray machines and all this stuff that he's stealing from the hospital. <laughs> he's stealing it and bringing it to her place of Everything residence. was so easy back in the day. 
It was everything. All, it was all just like trickery abound. Like nobody cared. <laughs> so he literally is just like taking this stuff. He's trying to save her. So he's going absolutely ham on this girl. He's buying her dresses. He's buying her jewelry. He's repeatedly telling her like, yo, I love you so much. Oh my God. And like, I want to marry you. And like, Maria's like, thank you, but no. Um, She's like, I'm good. Because this man is 32 years older than her. And she is still also technically married. And dying. And dying. So <laughs> She's like, thank you, but you look like a Tim Burton character about to meet their fiery end momentarily. So I can't marry you. I'm so sorry. Right. So she's like, uh, I'm trying to let this guy down easily. But she's also like, I don't know, dying. Right. So it's just not the right time. That's how she's going to let him down oh. easily. She's going to die. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's, she's like, I got to do it. You know when you got to let a guy down, <laughs> so you got to just fucking die. You know when you gotta do it to him by just absolutely passing away? That's what Maria Elena does. Right. So this story, which this pisses me off so badly, is that this story repeatedly tries to get written as a love story. Like, even at the time that it was happening. By fucking whomst. All the, all the papers, and even to this day, people are like, the corpse bride, his ultimate love. I was like, no, she did not love this man. I repeat. Elena did not. I'm not going to say anything because I'm not going to ruin just it. Creepy. But just continue because, like, I'll just scream it when you're done saying it because I'm just. <sighs> but here's the thing: I appreciate all his efforts to save her. Everything is great. That's all really nice. But when we hear what comes next, this is when I lose all respect for this person. But it's like he, he didn't even do it like garbage. for her. He did it for himself. He did it for and himself. And he's not a real doctor, yeah. so he's not doing jack shit. Well, I mean, he was trying all different shit. Like, I appreciate He's trying shit. That's cool. What are you doing? That's, like, literally me, like, trying to feel better by, like, drinking coffee and then having, like, one of those, like, airborne gummies and making my <laughs> making myself a nice cup of emergency and being, like, I mm -hmm. have cured your... I've, I've cured your... It's, it's gonna be... And then... <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. can you guys tell thank you stop talking can you guys tell it's been a long day <laughs> all right so anyway he basically of course fails because he's not a doctor and there's no real cure for tuberculosis at this time right so it's like sucks to suck so maria elena unfortunately passes away on october 25th of 1931 when she's only like 21 years old mm -hmm. and it's also really sad because a lot of her immediate family also die of tuberculosis oh. including her sister so her sister Florinda, she also died of it a few years later. So this family was just literally devastated, and this guy just keeps making it worse. Her poor family is obviously devastated. They're, like, losing it. They're not having a good time. But Carl is absolutely losing his mind over her death. So he actually offers to pay for her funeral. Now, he also pays for an above-ground mausoleum to be made in the Key West Cemetery. That's when you gotta her parent back up a little bit. <laughs> But the problem is her parents are like, oh, my God, amazing. Right. This is really nice. He probably just feels really bad. But boy, were they very wrong. Because the major key to be learned here is that they didn't know that Carl is the only one who has the key to the mausoleum for their daughter. No. No, thank you. So time goes on. Maria's dead. She's living. She's chilling. She's dead. Her. She's living. So, <laughs> she's living. <laughs> she's chilling. So he visits her tomb every single night for two she's years. She's classic, bougie, ratchet. Ratchet. 
I'm so sorry. So, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so he is telling, he's so, okay, this guy is going to her tomb every single night. Also, he's also telling people that her ghost would come sit with him and he would basically just sit in there and sing her her favorite okay, song. Okay, but us when one of us dies. <laughs> That's true. I'm going to go into a tomb and just sing you Downtown by Macklemore. Okay, but why would, I was going to say I'm going to go and then I'm just going to start off. singing Fall Out Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to be sitting in your oh house God. and just like quietly going to be hearing. Um, <laughs> Sugar, we're going down swing. I'll be here. I, okay, I have a... I have a <laughs> Squeak. <laughs> you know what? I have ghosts in my house right now that are acting up, and I wish that one of them would sing me Fall Out Boy. I'd let them stay. <laughs> anyway. So, he's sitting in her mausoleum. He's singing, like, you know, You Will Remember Me for Centuries no. by Fall Out Boy. How do we get her. so off track? And how does everything come back to Fall Out Boy in this fucking podcast? <laughs> oh, it's either Why Fall Out Boy or Twilight. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The two most important things anyway, in Anyway, she's getting serenaded. By so P. Wetz's she's, spirit. she's hearing Fall Out Boy's 2013 classic. Right. Like, centuries. Yes. I don't think it came out in 2013. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> anyway. So, suddenly people start to not see him after two years, which is, like, super sus because he's been going there every night. Like, he's like, I need to activate ultimate nasty mode. Right. I gotta go every night. <laughs> Me. <laughs> so, he's trying to power up. <laughs> Us when we order Taco Bell. <laughs> Time to activate super nasty mode. <laughs> super nasty mode. <laughs> so, he's singing her Miss Jackson by... by uh, stop it. By stop it. Disco. Just stop. Stop it. <laughs> no I'm one's crying. singing anyone anything. Ooh. Okay. He was singing no, her, Okay. Though. Okay. So her family at first is really happy because they're like, oh, my God, finally this man moved on. Like, he's living, he's loving, he's laughing. So. <laughs> he bought that sign from yeah. Target that just doesn't look like he bought, he bought, like, a skele- that Skeletor paint. Or the Skeletor I thought you were going to say the 12-foot just, skeleton that says live, laugh, He look. bought the 12-foot skeleton and he placed it in her tomb. Anyway. These are all not facts, so by the still, way. This is none of none These of are all true. absolute facts. <laughs> okay, now here is a fact. So. It was really strange because everyone sees him there every single night and he was so devastated and then he's just like, okay, bye, and he pieces out and he like gives him this like hang loose. He said bye. Bye. Um, So what happened in April of 1933, you guys might be asking yourselves. Well, the thing is, he gets fired. So he has time aplenty. So that's like step one. He gets fired. So like when you get fired, you have lots of time on your hands. (laughs) So... Maybe he's, like, spending his time doing one of those, like, bedazzled puzzles. Yes. Puzzles. Maybe he's, like, spending his time, like, I don't know, surfing Pornhub. I don't catching know up on the West time. Wing. Actually, I do. He's catching up on the West yes. Wing. But he's not doing any of that. No. Because what he's doing is that Carl decides that he would no longer like to go to the restaurant to dine in. He would instead like to get some takeout. So he puts Elena's body in a toy wagon and he takes it from the cemetery to his lab which, mind you, this lab is shaped like an airplane for reasons we'll find out later. It's just him. He's taking Maria's body. He's sliding it down a slide, says, metal slide. He's, he's going taking, in after he's it. He's taking her body and he's lightly smelling it and he's going, I'm the du Yes. You speak the French to me. That's what he said yep. about her corpse. 
So she's in the airplane. She's living. She's laughing. She's loving. She's not. Stop <laughs> so I'm saying put a, that. He's not. <laughs> so there are. Okay, I'm going to post pictures of what this lab looked like, but it, it was essentially like a little plane-shaped lab where he would proceed to do the following to this poor girl's body. So he wires her bones together with wire and coat hangers. Then he stuffs her with rags to kind of fill up her chest and her stomach. Wire hangers? And then hangers? he places... Wire! No! Wire! That's what they should have said Jesus to Carl. But Christ! <laughs> Everyone go watch Mommy Dearest. Anyway. Oh, my God. Anyway, sorry. Continue. All right. So then he puts plaster of Paris over her skin. Mm-hmm. And then he gives her, like, these nice glass eyes. Mm-hmm. And he also basically uses these, like, hooks and strings to, like, prop up mm-hmm. her body and make her my, look like she's My morning skincare alive. routine. <laughs> my morning skincare routine. Plaster of Paris, glass eyes, and hooks and strings. Yes. So over the next seven years, Carl basically lives with Maria Elena's body. And there are reports around the town, which, like, this is how the fish got started here, where he was buying all these dresses and jewelry and wigs and perfume. So, like, people are thinking, oh, my God, finally, this man has moved on with his life. Like, he's, he's going to finally be over no. her. So they're thinking, like, he's with somebody. As it would turn out, he was with a corpse. Right. Because that young he was living. I know. Hello. Stop Yo, screaming. okay, it's 9.52. There's supposed to be no train horns after 10. You could cut it off at 9.50. Is 9. that a 50. rule? <laughs> yeah, it is, is it actually. Really? I, didn't, I never knew that. Yeah. I lived there for basically half my life. So our, everyone's thinking, like, our boy has moved on. LOL is great. But he didn't because he was living with Maria Elena's corpse for seven years. Yes. And as her body is starting to decay, he has to kind of get more creative with preservation of said body. So he's using various and sundry amounts of, like, perfumes, disinfectants, flowers, preservatives to basically keep her from rotting and to keep her kind of smelling okay. He also replaces her skin with silk-soaked wax. Hmm. And as her hair falls out, he, like, replaces it with a wig. He's like, let me get you snatched. Let me get you snatched with this lace front. He just glues it down real nice. She looks good. (laughs) She looks amazing. But the problem... Here also is that her mom was nice enough to give this man some of her hair when she died. Oh, no. So he kind of was also putting that on her head before her hair was falling out. He was like, oh, I'm just going to take this existing hair and, and I'm going to just, you know. I don't like that. Put it on there. I was like, why? I mean, do whatever you want. I understand. What, like, do what you want with your child's body, but do not give this man her hair. No. So... Obviously, the smell is kind of something he just comes to live with, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Mm-hmm. But he's still trying to make her smell kind of good. Right. With like all also the stuff this I was like this about. whatever he came up with this formaldehyde, whatever he was doing. Um, Caitlin Doty did a video about this too, and she mentioned that like it was like a like a secret like recipe he came up with for mm-hmm. this. Like he wouldn't tell anyone. Like he was so protective of like what he used to keep this body preserved. It was fucking nasty. Yeah, he did, like, his own little concoction, but it was essentially basically, like, different disinfectants mixed with perfume. He just, like, like, sprayed her with Lysol. He was, like, good enough. Yeah, he was, like, really, really quick. Um, So he basically spent seven years cooking and cleaning and, like, serenading her, and he also placed the organ for her. Why don't you do that for me? What the fuck? (laughs) You know? I also should be mentioning that this man is keeping this corpse in his bed. For all of this time. Uh, 
That doesn't look mightier. Yeah, that's what he. That's what he like told her. Like her skin was like falling off, and he was like real quick. That's what he said to her. So Ooh, he also was basically. <laughs> that's my only thumb. reaction to this. E. E. So Carl also is basically claiming that his spirit, like that her spirit, essentially told him to remove her from the grave, mm-hmm. and of course. Like, she said yes when he asked her to be his spirit What wife. is this fucking hereditary? Of course. It is. So, now here's the thing. This is all, like, alleged, but it's not even alleged because we already know. Right. Okay? So, if she agreed to be his wife, wouldn't he have to consummate this marriage to it. complete the full 2005 Tim Burton film, Corpse Bride? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't he have to go full fantasy? He did go full fantasy. By inserting a cardboard tube inside of her vagina that was later found to have semen inside mm-hmm. it. We went all the way. We went full full fantasy. He watched Corpse Bride. He took notes. He was living. He wasn't living. So. He was not. She wasn't, but he was. Now, October of 1940. It's been seven years of this old recluse man basically living with a full corpse in his house. And people are like, real sus. Doing it into like, a Where cardboard tube. Where is this tube? woman? Yeah, he's been he's been having a real good time getting paper cuts on his little pee pee, and <laughs> you just fucking said that. <laughs> it's true. Carl, Carl, Carl Tanzer, imagine Carl Tanzer and the pee pee paper cuts. The pee pee paper cuts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Name of this episode. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so. Obviously, everyone's like sitting. They're like looking. They like put their they put the circles their hands in circles so their eyes are like looking. They're like that meme that's like I am looking respectfully. I pretend (laughs) I do not see it, but in reality, I do. (laughs) I do. That's what everyone's doing. Like thinking, like okay, he's just buying this for this woman, but like no one's seen this woman has been seven years. So this is when a report comes in from a local little local boy, who basically sees Carl dancing. Like, he, he's, like, peeping in the window. He sees Carl dancing with what appears to be a life-size doll. And he's, like... I don't like that. Kind of sus. Okay. So, this is when Maria Elena's sister, Florinda, she hears this. She's hearing these rumors. And everyone's, like, yo, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but, like, you're... Like, Carl's probably sleeping with a dead body. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, uh... It's not just any dead body. It's probably my that's, sister's dead that's body. That's my sister. That's my sis. Okay, so she's like, I got to get to the bottom of this. She goes to Carl's house. She knocks on the door and basically tells him, hey, I've been hearing that you're sleeping with my sister's corpse. Like, please prove me wrong. Right. And Carl responds to this by stepping aside and actually showing her her sister's dead body. No. He was like really quick and he like pulled the curtain back. There she mm-hmm. is. There's, all, there's, like, conflicting reports on whether he just showed her or if she somehow just, like, managed to see it. But I'm thinking that he just showed her because this man clearly has no shame because of what we're about to hear. So Florinda's clearly horrified. So she goes to the authorities and the authorities go and arrest Tanzler for, quote, wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without author- authorization. End yeah, no. So... Carl actually gets evaluated by psychiatrists and is actually deemed sane and able to stand trial for no. this. I don't know how, no. but no. maybe. It's going to be a hard no. It's going to be a hard pass for me. Right. Now, this story actually becomes this 
massively huge sensation in town. And the Key West papers and like the general community in Key West is going wild for this story. And they're going wild for him as a person because he gets labeled as this eccentric romantic and people actually are sympathizing with this man. I want to throw up. It gets, I know, it's really bad. Like it gets spun as essentially this really crazy love story, which of course her poor family also has to hear about. They're like, our daughter never loved this man and he's just getting labeled as this eccentric. I'm sorry, that's on them. Our daughter never loved this man, yet we believed his nine degrees and gave him our hair. Listen, we don't victim blame on here. Shut up. They didn't know. You gotta take a little bit of responsibility. Like, just a tidbit. Just a, just, just <laughs> oh a little bit. We're going don't to Don't trust hell. any men. Ever. Don't trust anybody. In general. Don't trust no bitch. Nobody. Okay? So people were actually visiting Carl in his cell while he was awaiting his charges, and they would actually bring him gifts, and they would talk to him, and a group of sex workers actually offered him their wares for free. Okay. They were like, yo, let me let me help you. And then two of his friends actually, which I don't know where he got these friends from, but two of his friends actually posted his $1,000 bail. And so on October 9th of 1940, he is presented at the Monroe County Courthouse in Key West for this preliminary hearing on these charges. Now, the problem is that the statute of limitations is up on this charge and his case essentially gets dismissed and his charges are dropped. Mm -hmm. So... A lot of information is basically found out during this trial, though, because what he says during this trial is just wild. It's just very wild. So he explains why he had Elena in his airplane lab, because he said that he wanted to finish this aircraft so he could shoot Elena's body, quote, high into the stratosphere so that radiation from outer space could penetrate Elena's tissues and restore life to her somnolent form. Oh, let's go fly a kite. That's what he said. To the highest height. And then everyone did a nice chimney sweep montage. And then it happened. And then Lin-Manuel came in and he was running on a bike and he was just living. Right. So he also at one point tried to use a million volt Tesla coil to revive Elena's body. So there's that. No. So, which if you guys have never seen a Tesla coil, it's just like this insane lightning maker it's great i, I love it he it's literally cool. he literally had fucking industry. frankenstein's lab in his fucking airplane i mean he kind of did <laughs> so after the trial <laughs> i can't <laughs> this man so after the trial he has the absolute nerve to ask them to give her body back to him he's like really they don't quick, work like that yo so of course, like, this is swiftly denied. The court's like, no, 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 not happening. Nay, nay, I say. In the words of Bailey Sarian, right. nay, nay, I say. So they basically were like, you know, you're not having this body back. So her family buries their body in a secret location in Key West Cemetery because they're like, we need to stop this man. He needs to be stopped. Right. So she doesn't have a marked grave and they just bury her somewhere random so he doesn't figure it out. So his response to this denial, of course, was to blow up her mausoleum with dynamite. He was like, well, if I can't have her, then I'm going to blow up this mausoleum. Right. So he does. Wait, with, not with her in it. Not with okay. her in it, no. What's the he point then? Then you're just, just destroying what you paid for, so the joke's on you. I mean, the joke is always on him. Right, he is the joke. The joke is, bi- he is the joke. <laughs> so he is the ultimate clown. Right. Okay? And so her body actually, like, during the, ca- like, after the case is done, which it lasted for, like, one day, but... 
after the case is over, her body gets examined at the Dean Lopez uh, funeral home, which this is kind of shitty. But this is where we kind of get a lot of information about her body because pathologists and doctors actually examine her body and they provide us with all the information that I have about like how she's put together, what she's put together with. Like that all comes from this basically study they did of her body. Okay. Um, this is also where the necrophilia claim comes from. But like Carl denies that that happened. But like I highly doubt that he wasn't committing necrophilia. I really doubt it. Um but this is where the claim of like the paper tube being inserted in into her vagina comes from. So this claim essentially, which I think this might have had something to maybe do with like the time that this didn't come out. But in, so in 1972 is when this claim officially gets submitted into like the papers. Okay. So this man, this man's name is Dr. Depu. <laughs> Amazing. I love him. Love him. And Dr. Foraker. So there are two of the people who examine this body. They're two like two doctors who examine the body and they put forth the claim about the necrophilia. Um, so this is like one of their quotes. And this was put forward in a paper in like 1972. So Dr. Dipu said, I made the examination in the funeral home. The breast really felt real. In the vaginal area, I found a tube wide enough to permit sexual intercourse. At the bottom of the tube was cotton, and in an examination of the cotton, I found there was sperm. Then I knew we were dealing with a sexual pervert. Yeah. That's like, why would he lie about that? Also, this man was fucking disgusting. So obviously, why wouldn't he? Obviously, why? That's my thing. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, and I think at this, like, because everyone's like, why didn't you come forward sooner? It's like it was the 1940s. No one's gonna put proprietary lines. Yeah, proprietary lines were a little bit different. So that's where that claims come from. So there were other people who were there who said they didn't see it. So it's kind of conflicting, but I am fully sure it is true because of all the evidence we've gathered here. Oh, one hundo P. Okay. It's, there's no way. So as if this kind of cannot get any worse for this poor girl's body, the funeral home decides to degrade her even further by putting her body on display for the public to see. Right. Cause why not? So why not? Like, let's go full hog. So, the funeral home charges people $1 for admission and almost 7,000 people go to see her. And this is a funeral and home too, which just makes it so much worse. It's not even like a random person or him. No, it's literally like, it's not even him. It's literally like, oh, here's this funeral home is going to sit there. Was there any like action her poor body taken through. against that later? Or was it just like dropped? No, I think it was just kind of like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it's a thing. It's happening. So after that, she was finally able to be buried. But Carl's not done being, like, ultimate creepy, though, because he's like, we got to go all the way to the top. Right. So because of how notorious he became, he obviously couldn't get a job, obviously. So he has to move back to uh, the town in Florida where we started, where it's just, like, Zephyr, Zephyr Hills yeah. or Zephyrillis, whatever it's called. So he moves back there with his sister and his wife and daughter, who he left. Okay. They were like, welcome back. He moves back it's over there. It's been a while. Them. They were like, hi, shithead. And during this time that he was over there, like, playing Dr. Frankenstein, his daughter, who was only 10, she died in 1934 while he was, like, away. You know? Because um, he's garbage. She didn't miss much. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, because he has not exploited Elena enough at this point, he decides to write a book, which... <laughs> So he writes this kind of autobiography about himself, and it's called Fantastic Adventures, The Secret of Elena's Tomb. Ew. So he's like, he writes his whole book. Nasty. 
So he sells his story to tourists and he basically sells them like little souvenirs. And he would reportedly show these tourists his next masterpiece, which is a wax replica of Elena that he made complete with a copy of her death mask. Some people don't that know he when also had made. Some people don't know when to when stop. When to stop. They don't know. Like it's over. The gooping it's gag done. is over. You gotta stop. So he was like, We gotta go all the way to the top with this. So he's like showing people this like horrible thing that he made. And no one is like doing anything so, about this. No one is like stopping this no, man being like, People are hey. going to see him. No, people are going to see him. So it's like whatever. So when his body is found three weeks after his death, it is reported that he actually had been holding this doll. No. That was like their initial report, but there's like people are like it's probably just speculation. Instead, they basically found him on the floor with her kind of on a shelf looking over him. Okay. So it was like it's creepy either way. Like he had her close by when he died. It's creepy. Yeah. Um, cause they actually found his body, like it was on the floor behind his organ. Like he just kind of like keeled over and died. Good. So he passed away on July 3rd of 1952 at the age of 75. And so his final diary entry reads, human jealousy has robbed me of the body of my Elena yet divine happiness is flowing through me for she, she has survived death forever and ever. She is with me. Nasty. I hate this man so fucking much. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Carl. He's in hell now. Right, but he can hear there's me. There's also this... <laughs> he can hear you, yes. So there's also, like, to wrap this up, there's, like, a lot of rumors that came out saying that they think that he actually managed to get his hands on Elena's body again and that the doll was actually her body, but this wasn't confirmed. But the way that this doll looked, I I wouldn't put it past him that he would somehow have managed to do it because it was really creepily, like... Ugh, like, so I think maybe he maybe pulled it so off, it but I hope not. Size? I hope not. Okay. Yeah, fuck that. So we're basically talking about how she essentially, we don't know if her body was actually given to him or not, or if he somehow managed to get his hands on it. I really hope he didn't. I wouldn't put it past him though, so we may never know really what happened. Disgusting. So, you know, rest in peace, Mary Elena. I hope that you got the, finally got the dignified rest you deserved. And I hope that Carl Tanzler's burning in hell. Like, to be honest. Right. I love how both of our stories had court cases. And these innocent and these innocent women were fucking framed as witches. And this asshole just gets away with everything. I just hate. I just hate the world. I hate it. Wow. But we really hope you guys liked this episode. And like we said mm-hmm. before, uh, tell us what you think. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear about it. And let us know your own fucking creepy stories. Let us know what you thought about this. Give us a follow, and we will keep you guys updated on this giveaway as well. And follow us on Instagram. We'll be posting pictures. We won't be posting pictures of Elena's body. We'll be posting pictures of Tansler and, like, all of that, but we're not going to post any pictures of her body. But we will have other pictures available for this episode on our Instagram so go follow us there. We'll keep you posted on our 31 for 31. And we'll also keep you guys posted on our giveaways. So go check us out. Go follow us. We keep up basically everything on there. Be excellent to each other, guys. Bye.